0: What's the ultimate purpose of what we're up to? And, and how much am I talking about that? Or how much am I just trying to survive and, and optimize a system of bullshit? All right, am I actually aiming at the ultimate purpose? It takes nuts to like aim your people at that versus just treat them like cogs in a wheel.
1: Hey friend, before we dive into this week's episode, I have a request. Will you click on the link in the description of this episode and fill out the five-minute survey about what you would like more of from the Naked Leadership Podcast? We're committed to make this well worth your time, and we don't want to miss an opportunity to provide value for you. So we want to hear from you. How could we make this conversation, this podcast better? How could it make a greater impact in your life? Please let us know by clicking that link. Now onto this episode, what do you think of Elon Musk and his leadership? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down to chat about Elon Musk, hand accounts from those who have worked with him and what we can learn from his leadership. If you're looking for a hot take or a moral judgment on Elon, this is not that conversation. We are here to objectively, as much as possible, look at what he has created and what has worked and what hasn't worked from our perspective. This was a fun conversation. Let's dive in. Hey, Dan, Adrian. So good to be with you. Yeah, good to be here.
2: Good to be back. Love being with you guys.
1: I'm, I'm a little jacked on the conversation we were just having about uh, some new developments that are coming. Well, we mm-hmm. should just talk
2: about it a little bit, right? Well, since I think we
1: might want to just
2: talking talk about, about Elon Musk. We, we might as well talk about what we're up to. That's Muskish.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, how much do you want to say, Dan?
2: I think we could tell him what we're up to. Go ahead. You're, you got it. <laughs> we're, up to some, we're up to no good.
1: Yeah, we're up to some no good. I mean, Dan and his crack team of geniuses over there, Danny Jr. and and um, Carl, what, Carl, Carl,
0: yeah,
1: um, have been developing working the last few months, six months, seven months to develop yeah. a AI tool that is a problem solving coach for executives and leaders, and this thing. Uh, soon to be released, TBD in the next few weeks is going to uh, change the way that people uh, are involved with their teams and the impact that they can make on their team. I mean, I was thinking about this. I was just at a, at a, at a uh, mastermind event talking to a few people about this. Is this is the, the, paint, the picture that I painted for them. Imagine an executive or yourself as a leader in your office alone thinking about the challenge that that you're having with somebody on your team. And in the privacy of your office, you can talk to Maven. Maven's her name, the AI tool. And you can tell her what challenge you're up against. She'll ask you a series of questions that will help you get clear on exactly what the challenge is, not, not necessarily what you're making up about the challenge. And then she will offer or collaboratively come up with solutions with you that would be applicable. Things you could leave your office that moment and go apply immediately to start to remedy this challenge with your team, the market, the product, anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think for me, I think one of the biggest benefits is to I what could be the largest epidemic uh, in humanity, which is stress. And I think stress is is an accumulation. Of unresolved breakdowns over time, and this actually is will be will end up being for those that adopt it quickly will end up being oh, what's the metaphor? It's like the it, you become really great at wanting to solve the issue now versus waiting and paying and penalties and interest later, because usually it's I, I, like I, I feel the pain of a problem. But I'm scared to death of Pandora's box. If I look at it, it's going to get more complex and more daunting and it's going to generate more frustration, fear like that. So we just put it off and we act like putting it off as a solution. No, it's just going to grow in the dark. And so I think people that adopt this quickly, they're like, you know what? I've got this little issue, a little pang. A little issue right now and I'm going to take my two out of 10 issues to it and so they'll get solved before they get to three out of 10 instead of holding all these five six seven out of 10 issues we walk around and just don't enjoy life anymore or we're not, you know, playing with our kids and we're thinking about what's going on at work or we're at work and we're in a meeting and we know there's seven elephants in this room and I'm not willing to talk about any of them. This is like the shortcut to get to solutions, which will make you feel so much more confident. So It'll make you feel much. I mean, you're you are intelligent. You're just the 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 water's muddy. And so it clears up the muddy water of my own experience with myself and with other people. So I just know what to do. You'll end up looking brilliant and you're like in action. And everybody knows what it feels like when you finally solve the problem you've been thinking about for three months. Everybody knows what that feels like. You're like, why didn't I do this three months ago? And this is like this is the I push this button and and I figure this thing out and I get into action and I just feel great about it. So less stress, more confidence.
2: At the very least, I found, I mean, no confession, I was into it, in it pretty bad with my wife the other night at the table, and I didn't want to get upset. So I went to the bathroom and took Maven out and told her the problem. And she came up with a couple of really good ideas I never thought about. And I came back, one, uh, I felt good because I saw a possibility for resolving it. Just seeing mm-hmm. that it right. energized me. And then I was much more relaxed because I had a couple of options and I wasn't, plugged into the one thing that was upsetting me and we had a great conversation but I I started chuckling and she goes what happened to you in the bathroom I said maven and she started laughing
0: so
2: it, it's very helpful for exactly what you're saying Aid. it took the pressure off right and opened up but you, you know it's a serious tool and when we release it we're going to release it with some some onboarding and some videos etc so people can really get the most out of it because it's designed mm-hmm. to get to the issue We've had a number of people try to fool it, ask silly questions. It'll answer it, and then it'll say, "Do you have something you want me to work with or not?"
1: Basically, like let's get the business here. So that's right. I'm so excited. I think the best sales pitch for it, period, is have Dan Takini in your pocket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You can you can take Dan Takini into the bathroom with you when you're fighting (laughs) with your spouse. And have a little coaching session. <laughs> That's right.
2: You're careful if you're in the bathroom, you might get kinky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. all right. So let's move on. <laughs> set up this conversation. So, this is experimental. So, what I've done is I, I'm fascinated with all of the buzz around Elon Musk. I think so many, I, I think most people are pretty fascinated with all the buzz around Elon Musk. And I think a lot about his leadership. And, you know, it's been interesting because we see the media, the mainstream media saying one thing about Elon Musk and his leadership. And, you know, he's a dictator, totalitarianism and blah, 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 blah. And then you see another thing, which is the results he creates in the companies that he has. And then you can see other people firsthand experience of people that have worked for him and talk about his management style and what, you know, what it what it was like for them. And and then we've also gotten the chance to work directly with people who have worked directly with Elon. And hear some of the uh, some of what was meaningful and beneficial for them to work with him and some of what didn't work. And so I wanted to just dive into all the things that all the information that we've collected. Uh, it, from different sources and just talk about what's what's here, what styles, what things are working, what's not working. Um, and I think it'll be fun. But the reason I say it's experimental is just we haven't done anything like this on the podcast so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it'll be fun to to just kind of do a, a case study. So I've gathered a few clips. Mm-hmm. I want to play one. I'll stop it. They're really short. And then we'll jump in and just start talking about uh, what we heard, what we're thinking, all that sort of stuff. Any other setup that you gentlemen want to do in this conversation? What are you thinking about coming into this?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, we've done a lot of work with X SpaceXers in different companies, and we've noticed some consistence, consistencies in both the benefits of working with Elon and the, 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 the impact, the negative impacts that have gone on. There's been some, let's say, trauma (laughs) Uh, around that. And so it'd be, you know, there's a lot to talk about because I think what we're going to end up talking about is what kind of leadership are you into? And do you think, how much do you think certain types of leadership produce results and certain types don't? How much of it is approach and how much of it is really is it possible to be a human and still have people produce? That's really going to be like, can you work both of those together? I think that's going to come out of this discussion, that inquiry.
0: Yeah. I would just, uh, what I'm thinking about and probably to stay on theme for our podcast is, is to think about not Elon as a person, but Elon as a set of principles. Yeah. Cause there's, a, right there's a certain, there's a certain way. There's like, there's a world in which he has generated for himself and a, and, uh, a framework by which like, uh, sorry, a set of, uh, of priorities, better way of saying it set of priorities around how he is in the world and how he is as a leader. And it's good to, I mean, we're so prone as people to just throw people in categories, good, bad, nice, right. mean, right. blah, blah, blah. Like so binary, which is, you know, uh, such a, it's a limiting view. So it'd be good to like entertain, Um, so if you're listening to this already and have you, and you have all that you already think about Elon, like suspend that for a minute. Let's just talk about, um, the principles that we'll get to in this conversation and then entertain them for yourself. And if you don't like Elon, uh, even just for the next 15 minutes as you're listening, just imagine that you love him and listen from that spot. Or if you, if you're like sold out to him, think about, Oh, what's not good about how this guy operates. So anyway, I would just invite you just to try on the other view uh, as you're listening, just to see what else, what other possibilities show up for you, because that's what we're doing this for. So maybe more possibilities are going to show up for you. Things you can put into practice right away and run experiments in your own life and your own leadership life.
1: Yeah. So one of the interesting things as I was doing research for this conversation is that I, you know, there's a lot of negative things talked about his leadership in, like I mentioned, in mainstream media. These were media reporters reporting negative negativity about Elon. I can't find any firsthand public record of people talking about their, their, I don't know, overall negative experience with Elon. Um, that So I found that interesting. I found a mm-hmm. plethora of people talking about what they learned from their experience with Elon. Right on. And how it was a stepping stone in their or a or an opportunity in their career. So that was I'm just gonna put that right at the front. All the clips that we have are going to be pretty much in favor or more so neutral and just talking about what they learned. Yeah. Um we has can talk killed,
0: about has he killed the rest of the of the other ones?
1: I'm guessing so. <laughs> I mean apparently so he, he controls you put the a hit out on him platform like now End him. <laughs> so I want to start with this because I thought this was an interesting um, – and this the, – the clip that we're about to hear is all about the rate or the speed at which Elon moves. So here we go.
2: If you're talking to Elon or you want to have a conversation with Elon and you get that opportunity to talk to Elon, you need to be concise, quick.
1: There's definitely uh... – 2 a.m. texts and 6 a.m. conference calls. When
2: I used to go into meetings with him, I used to always stop by our barista and I would get a couple espressos and and chug that down and then go into the meetings. He has never said this, but I've watched it. Um, You have 30 seconds to make your point.
1: So right there, I thought that was interesting. Short clip, bunch of people, a couple of the people in there is Carl Medlock. He was, as far as I can tell, Carl Medlock was one of his growth officers in the company of Tesla. Um, there was also, um, Garrett Reisman, who was a NASA, uh, astronaut and then became a SpaceX consultant. And, uh, they're talking about the speed, right? And one of the things that stuck out to me was if you're going to present an idea to him, it better be well packaged and it better go fast.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: What was that quote?
0: You got 30 seconds to make a point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You got 30 seconds to make a point. And I think this is, I mean, I, I don't know. I just want to open this up. Talk about the speed at which leaders, wh- you know, what what is the benefits of speed? And what are some of the prices that are paid when this kind of, when speed is, I don't know, I'll say worshipped in this way? Yeah, well, I mean, some
0: initial thoughts that I've got is, I'm just thinking about what he's thinking about to make that make sense, because you if if that's the deal that somebody will make a point in 30 seconds. And I guess it's it's uh, the natural conclusion of that is that after 30 seconds, Elon will vote yay or nay about it. There's got to be a lot of trust in the in the system itself. One of the things that benefits to it is it does require people to do a lot of thinking before they show up and have a meeting. You know, so probably they've already vetted plenty of their ideas because they know they got to get to the heart of the matter right away and say, I'd love to be in that. Wouldn't you love to be in that room to listen to all that? They probably just say, hey, here's the issue. Here's what I think we should do. If we do it, it's this. If we don't do it, it's this. What do you think? You know, it's like kind of get down to the heart. So that's, there's some benefits to that. It generates trust. It illuminates where trust is and where trust isn't illuminates where someone's done the work or not done the work on the front end um, and what their natural biases are and such. It also, uh, it sounds like they, you know, there's not a big appreciation, my assumptions here, not a big appreciation for context and other people's opinions. You know, if it's like we get to a solution in a minute, what else did people think you know it's like we're we're jump we are hooking the wagon to a lot of bias if we're not questioning our intuition if we're not questioning our
1: logic that seems to be a a potential threat life is not fair it's what you negotiate let me say that one more time life is not fair it's what you negotiate now that's an interesting thought If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you wanna be very clear on how you negotiate, what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15 question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team. Discussing financial decisions with a partner or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show.
0: So those are some of my first thoughts.
2: Yeah, just from what I've read about Elon, I've read a couple books. I just got done with Isaacson's book on him. But my sense is he has a very powerful ability to analyze what he ought to listen to and what he ought not listen to. And, you know, based on results, he's obviously, as far as effectiveness goes, the guy knows what he's doing based on results. Mm-hmm. As far as building a culture, I don't know. I mean, I, I, mean, obviously SpaceX is very successful, but I've met enough people that have worked with him that they love and respect him. I, I have to say that. they, Everybody I've talked to really... Think you know he's an amazing guy and they respect him, but many of them say they wouldn't want to work with him again just because, you know, it, it's a you know Pressure. in their sense it's abusive in the sense that they're an object to get something done legitimately, and there's a certain legitimacy to that, right? I mean, you're hired to get a job done. I've told you what I want to get done. I've given you how much time, and one of the thing I needed in, and uh, I don't want any compromise. That's kind of his thing. And it's interesting because he, if you read about him, he hires people who are resourceful. That's what he looks for. They may not be the smartest engineer. Just if you read the book and he talks about his, the propulsion, Tom Mueller, the guy who did the propulsion, may not have been the highest in, you know, credentialed engineer, but he was so resourceful, you know, he, he'd find a way to get it done. That's what Elon's looking for. So I think there's, you know, there, there's definitely a delicate balance in, in there. And if you read his books, you can see that that's what he 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 solves for people who are res, resourceful. So he doesn't have to spend a lot of time with them. So he's expecting them if they don't have a a, a solution, they better have an idea of how they're going to find one, right? Hmm. And quite interesting. I mean, I also know if you because there's all kinds of accounts like this. If you don't perform. You're out not not necessarily out of a job, but you're out of his good graces and he and he's that's part of his motivational tactic. He just cuts you off, whether he mm. does that consciously or it's just part of his hey look you're i'm mad at you because you haven't produced bone, and you know you're on the outs and 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 everybody i've talked to they want to get up to it because they respect the guy and they love what they're doing. Because he does very interesting things, and engineers love to get stuff like that done. And then when they're done, they don't want to go back into it. At least many of them, or they can only do it for so long, and they're burnt, right? Yeah. And you know, I I hesitate making some outlandish, generalized value statement around something like around this because there's so much to learn in it. Yeah. I try to keep my mind really open to because I do get what it means to say, we got to get this done and then wrestle with, I could lose you. I could lose you, Chad, if you don't get this done. Or if I stated that, And do I want to? And, and, but you know, he's so committed to his vision that it's almost like nothing gets between him and that.
0: Yeah. Mm. It's uh, the the metaphor in my mind is like, he's like a wartime president. Like it's like, it's, 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 it's battle. and, I'm, we're not here to mess around we're here to get this thing done and if you if you don't know what you're doing get out of my foxhole
2: that's right don't 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 clutter any space up here man
1: yep. yeah i don't know that there's a lot of um from what i gathered from different accounts you know i, I want to play the next couple of clips because it actually it goes directly to what you're talking about dan and <clears throat> um I don't think there's a lot of mystery for people that start working for Elon. What that's going to be like?
2: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think you're right.
1: Right. And so, um, well, I'll just play this clip because I think what he talks about is very interesting, and then we can and then we can talk about it. This is, um, again, this is Carl Medlock. We were all so excited about the brand. I mean, we we're all working 80, 100 hours a week. We kind of lost track of our families, our our passions, our hobbies, and all that stuff.
0: But we loved what we were doing. I never once had Elon or saw Elon do a rah-rah meeting like that.
1: So I thought that, that to me is interesting. He said, he talks about, he doesn't talk about loyalty to Elon. He talks to, he talks about loyalty to the vision.
2: To the vision. That's what Mm -hmm. it's all plugged into, man.
1: Yeah. And, and I thought all of the, you know, most of the accounts that I heard from people is that, you know, I didn't operate that way at, tesla or at spacex because i was ruled with an iron fist by a dictator i hear i was so bought in to the vision i was so in on what we were creating that's what i chose to do with my life
2: yeah
0: yeah and it seemed like even when he was stating it um he said things that other people might complain about. It. He, at least when he was stating this, he wasn't complaining about it. Like we lost. What did he say? We lost track of our families. We gave up all of our lost hobbies. Tra- <laughs> like lost yeah. track of our families. Wow. I mean, that's interesting.
1: Uh huh. This yeah. one goes right. This I'll play this one really quick, and it goes right along with the kind of the same through line. Um, this is Garrett Reisman, um, the, the consultant ex NASA astronaut. It's a very demanding environment. But but by and large, it's not because of him cracking the whip. You know, making human life multiplanetary, getting
2: to Mars, having a colony on Mars, is something that that motivates pretty much everybody
1: there at SpaceX. So same sort of sentiment. It's not it's not that we were doing this because Elon was co- like we were slaves to this guy. It's that we were we were committed to the vision. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and we 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 have p- clients that you know, obviously worked very close with him, next to him, who said, we're doing it the SpaceX way, just not, you know, we're going to keep the SpaceX standards, but we want to inject more humanity because they want their team, they want more of an infinite game because that is, you know, people do burn. Mm -hmm. And some of these people may last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, but they, they have afterwards, they're like, Recovering, maybe their family, or they don't have much of a family, which enables them to stay in the, the process longer. That was something i read about uh, from another in another article. That you know this person had a family, and they worked. Oh, I think they worked seven years for him, and that was it. They just it was too too tough on the rest of the family for him yeah. to be gone so far. To Adrian's point, you know you just forget your family. Well, there you probably your family's not going to forget you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That that raises a whole nother level of conflict.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. At what cost, you know, at what at what level is the leader responsible for the prices that the people are paying in the organization?
2: Yeah. Good question. You know, that I think that if I think the leader has to be honest, and I believe this is true about Elon about what it's going to take to work here. And so when you put on this helmet or this hat or this uniform, you're prepared to pay these prices. And I think that's where it gets most dangerous for companies. I, I, I think if anybody's clear, Elon's clear about this, in every book I've ever read, he, there's no bullshit with him about division is all there is. <laughs> and this is what we're up to. So if you're going to work here, you're going to give your life to getting, this is going to turn out. That's what we're about. That's the highest expression of life in this organization. Like we get to Mars, for instance. Mm-hmm. So,
1: As is evidenced by the results in his own family.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I think I'm just thinking about like uh, implications of that and why people choose to not like him. obviously, I mean, someone that's like committed is naturally offensive to those that are uncommitted or someone Mm that standard is excellence. It offends mediocrity naturally. So I think that's part of why people are just always just like to, you know, dog on him because he's he's unapologetically committed to standing out from the crowd and doesn't even care about the crowd. It's just like, I don't know. I'm working with the point one percent people and that's just it. And so all the. Ninety nine point nine ers over here throw shit at him, but he doesn't seems to not care at all about their opinion about why he ought to be more mediocre.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I, and I can say this: we worked with, I think, six or seven ex spacers on a team, SpaceXers, smartest group of people we ever oh. touched. Yep. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, not just smart, savvy, like yep. really focused, and they yep. they crushed we do this exercise and they crush the record and mm-hmm. we, and we've been playing this exercise for 30 years. I think it was the Disney uh, Imagineering had the record. It was like two minutes and 27 seconds. And they did it in like a minute and 15 seconds. They didn't just break it. They smashed it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it was amazing to watch them. We were both, Adrian and I were like, wow.
0: They were well, hard. yeah. And, and even more than that, like, they even once they beat it, they still were at the table. We took a break and they were at the table thinking about if they got to do it again, how much faster they could have done it. Like that's a unique. Yeah. It wasn't that's like, right. a, Hey, good job. Remember they were like, Oh wow. Okay. Hold on. So well, next if you time, yeah. you know, and they were practicing and timing themselves of doing this exercise. So it's just, this that's a, it's a unique mindset or, you know, I'm not being that articulate about it, but it's a very, you, uh, it's a, um, what is it? Learning.
2: Deep learning. They want to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah very competitive, um, but competing against themselves. There wasn't, you know, they weren't fighting other people. They were just, how good could we get? You know? Yeah, there was a collegiality. They recognized each other's gifts. They put people where
2: they were strong. They in it, they worked well together. It was just. Yep. And, and a, there was a
0: specificity purpose. in their role, like, as well. Yeah. Like, people knew what their job was, and they didn't. It was, there was really very little ego in it, which is fascinating. It was all about what's my job here and who did, you know, like, what do I do better than the rest? And we just own that. Like they got really clear about their roles immediately and they weren't <coughs> bashful about it, about being great, which I think is beautiful.
1: Mm. Yeah. So what is it about your assessment? This is all assumption and, you know, assertion, whatever, what is it about what Elon's up to or himself that attracts those kind of people?
2: Well, I think it has to do with vision. I think, they, I mean, he's, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with a number of really smart technologists and engineers are attracted to vision, to like big problems that make a difference. And I think Elon has cut, you know, he, he's bitten off a big piece and said, this is what I'm about. And people get serious about it. So they want to hook their wagon to them and they want to get involved and they can, they can see how their lives would be benefited if they were part of that project, if they were a key part of that project. And I think there's a deep connection for them. like Their personal interests are served by serving that vision. And I think like you said, I think that's what they're lined up with, with is the vision. And he's yeah. kind of the voice of
1: the vision.
0: Yeah. Uh, I forget what your question was, Chad.
1: What, what it is it about Elon, true. what he's up to that, that attracts these highest caliber? Because I'm thinking, you know, the listener to this, right? The, the entrepreneur, the founder is thinking, well, how do I get the best? How do I attract the best of the best?
0: Well, I, I, I think, um, you know, uh, connecting with what Dan was saying, too, you know, he's not doing anything that's normal, Right, like he's just—he's—it's all moonshotty, quote unquote. You know, it's all like impossibility is Mars. Shot. Yeah, Mars shotty. You know, he's all—he's—he's he's looking to you know do something that that no one else thinks is possible. And to your point, Dan is like I. I and I'm talking with some of the people we've worked with, their their identity is tied up into being one of the people in the room like if we pull this off and and this might sound weird to say it but there's like i think there's a there's a a it connects to a core human conversation about will does my life matter yeah. and you right. know they they believe it and they see it because it's true it's like if we go to mars i was the one that did that like that's yeah. not like a small like you know, boring conversation to talk to your grandkids about. And so Mm. there's, there's a sense of like personal significance that's tied into getting to do this impossible thing.
1: How does that translate? Let's just, let's just play with it a little bit. How does that translate with the founder who is um, running a yogurt company?
2: Well, first off, if you go back a step even the other thing is Elon sold out. That's why people—they—you do get that Elon's willing to give—he's willing to demand of himself what he's asking you to do.
1: And More I think, so, really. I mean, that's uh-huh. right. He
2: sets the standard, and I think that's really what's attractive, even if it feels abusive, because you know you, you're all—the abuse is me getting up to a standard I've never gotten up to. It's not somebody doing something to me, but it's somebody expecting of me what I'm afraid to expect of myself. Mm. And I think that's extremely attractive. I think that's why people are attracted to Adrian. Adrian does that well. I mean, you were attracted to Adrian for the same reason. He's going to ask. He's going to expect of you. And in the training room, that's what we're up to. Mm -hmm. We're expecting of people what they don't expect of themselves, but they long for. Mm -hmm. And he treats himself that way. And I think people respect that. And so they're willing to... Ask more of themselves around him or around that way of being. So the guy with the yogurt store, if they're that committed to who, what they're up to serving healthy food or whatever the vision is and changing dietary habits and digestive systems or whatever, and they're fully sold out to it, they're going to attract people that way. And they're going to repel people who are looking just to get on the dole, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I think about Jenny, one of our clients, Jenny from Jenny's ice cream. I was you know, just it, gonna
1: bring Jenny up. That's so you were, crazy. What were you gonna say? Uh, say, I well, I would love to hear where you're going, but yeah, uh, she's doing ice cream, and but she's it to her, it's not ice cream. That's right. No, she's yeah. changing the world, she's making a difference. People through happy her craft. She even says it, I'm making people happy in a depressed world, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, she, yeah, so it's it's you know, Jenny has a curated. Um, what she wants her people to be thinking when they're scooping ice cream, right? They're not thinking about flavors. They're thinking about delight. They're thinking about, you know, kind of one of her main things is like to be uh, the context for celebration. And if that's what I'm up to, then when people walk in, I'm not trying to make sure they get ice cream. I'm trying to find out what they're there to celebrate and be a part of that, to play a role in that. And like, that's, that's like epic. You can get, that's epic shit. You know, you can get really get deeply connected to people when you ask a few questions, not what would you like today? What brings yeah. you in today? What are you guys celebrating? And you get to join them in what, in what they're up to. And that's just so, it's so delightful. It's so fun. It's so, there's endless curiosity there. Um, if, so you're there for like a real, I mean, if, for anybody that's listening, it's like, What's the ultimate purpose of what we're up to? And and how much am I talking about that? Or how much am I just trying to survive and, and optimize a system of bullshit? Or am I actually aiming at the ultimate purpose? Takes, mm. takes takes nuts to like aim your people at that versus just treat them like cogs in a wheel.
1: Mm. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I've, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation and um, I think there's so much I mean, I'm excited to read Isaacson's uh, uh, biography. Dan was it did you enjoy it?
2: Oh man I'm reading it again. It's really good Eileen yeah. just tore it up
1: she Really? It too. Yeah. I loved his I loved his jobs book Yeah, um, really good. So good um, So I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to reading that. I think there's so many lessons I, I just feel, I actually feel grateful and lucky that we're I get to live in a day where I get to witness what he's up to. Yeah, not not idolizing him. Just what a fascinating case study
0: of leadership. Well, there's some human beings that do things well. And there's some human beings that change the game like he's changing the game. You know, like Mm. his his, like his bravery just to, to put to put all the all these different visions into play. Um, that takes some guts, you know? And the guy ought to be respected. Even if you don't like him for blah, 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 all your kind of um, be nice bullshit. If, if you don't like, that's fine. But you, ought, you need to respect the guy and what he's up to because he's got more courage than probably, you know, Wait, 10 of me you know, he's got.
2: It's really interesting. When you read his life story, he was bullied brutally as a kid.
0: About- South Africa, And Brutal. One, of things,
2: one of the things he said was, he said, "In his like, he made this comment that I will make no decision because I, I'm not going to decide something, not to do something because I'm afraid. That no. won't be a factor, and that that says a lot about his character, and it makes sense because you look at what he did with with X, and they asked him why he did. He said because you know he had a vision about free speech, and he wasn't you know it was okay with him if people didn't like it." you know he was okay with the fact that there's going to be a group of people but he's not going to not this he's not going to do it because he's afraid that was one thing he's he's not going to do that he- if he- if it's something he thinks it's worth it his fear is coming with him you know mm. that says a- that's a some kind of backbone boy mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: lots to learn Um, lots to watch and, and pay attention to. Thanks for indulging this conversation with me. I I love the, I love the format and I'd love to just pick your guys' brain on things that are happening. So appreciate you.
0: Thanks man.
1: Love it. Thanks man. All right. Bye bye everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday, we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening, and until next week, bye-bye, everybody.